The date is Friday, October 2nd, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. On this episode, we have friend of the show Chloe back on to talk to us about genre-defining movies that are sure to leave you horrified, and definitely a little scared, as we begin the spooky season of our first episode in October. Enjoy! Welcome, girls and ghouls, to another episode of Entertain This. Entertain This! <laughs> this episode is clearly our super spooky ooky episode, being that this is the first week in August, and as always, I'm your trepid host, Alex. And I'm also a host, I'm Nick. And I am a temporary host, and my name is Chloe. That is correct. As <laughs> Chloe has uh, has mentioned, she is currently filling in for Michael, uh, for he is still off draft dodging in Arizona, hiding within the dunes we wish of the him Arizona well. desert. Yes, we wish him well out there in the dunes, and, and we hope for his uh, speedient return. Okay. <laughs> draft dodging can be pretty scary. So can this season, uh, full of pumpkin spice latte and white girls fighting over their pumpkin spice latte. Uh, as well as... Uh, you ever had one? What? You ever had a pumpkin spice latte? I have. They're delicious. I get it. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> I really get it. I was, um, a, I was a pretty hard-lying black coffee guy. Then I had a pumpkin spice latte. I was like, maybe I'll start trying these fruity drinks. Alex like, only drank black coffee until I got him a latte from Starbucks, and then he was like, get me that every time. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's delicious. Man. So you got pumpkin spice lattes, pumpkin carvings, pumpkin pie, a lot of pumpkin going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you could go to an apple orchard. Or and, oh, I like doing that. You can watch a spooky movie. Spooky movies are correct. No, no. Was that a good segue? <laughs> yeah, you totally stole my segue, but that's okay. It's your episode, so you're allowed to. It's about so, spooky movies, right? Go ahead, you you segue. Take it to reiterate the point. Right today, we are talking about my favorite genre of movie, the horror film. It is pretty popular in our culture, and it's um, it's made a pretty big influence. But before we get into all that stuff, I want to break down the history, the who's, the what's, the when's of the horror film. Did I mention it's my favorite genre? I think you did. I don't think I did. Well, now you did. For <laughs> sure. Again, there you go. <laughs> well, now everybody knows. Um, I have watched a lot of horror movies, so I feel like I am pretty qualified to talk about it Mm. if anybody would like to fact check me um at any point i would love it (laughs) because as you may know i am the resident fact checker yeah so i just go ahead and assume that all your facts are correct (laughs) yeah (laughs) you never know it's in your job title okay so let's just (laughs) let's start from the very beginning which is the inception of film itself Mm mm-hmm in the 1890s, a man named Georges Méliès was, he's credited as the first man to really have made films. And they are short, they're three to five minutes, but in that day, it was incredibly impressive to make something like that with what they were working with. Hmm. He was incredibly groundbreaking. Um, he made... Some of the very first films, which includes A Trip to the Moon, which you may be familiar with because yeah. of 
the very famous shot of the rocket ship landing in the moon's <laughs> eye and then him crying. It's shaped like a bullet and it just goes... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right in there. <laughs> if they had sound effects, that would, that's the sound it would make. Yeah. It's <laughs> right. Cool. So that's him. He also made some of the very first horror movies, which includes House of the Devil, which we did a little pre-screening of before we started. Oh, is that what those are called? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, a Nightmare, which is the first time that we ever see psychological horror, which obviously becomes a huge part of the genre. Hmm. And The Bewitched Inn. And these were all made in 1896, 1897, turn of the century stuff. Hmm. And then along with Georges Méliès, we also have George Albert Smith, who was a famous movie maker of the time. He made things like The X-Ray Fiend in 1897, which was two years after X-rays were invented. So still a bit of a spooky concept for some people. What do you mean I can see my own skeleton? <laughs> That's pretty That's cool. in there? Yeah, that must have been mind-blowing. And Photographing a Ghost in 1898. So these are the very first horror films that we ever see. They had very simplistic sets, very simplistic special effects. They were working with jump cuts and <laughs> over-the-top acting like one would see in a silent film because they were silent films. They kind of had to. Yeah. So they had to express themselves with their bodies and their faces and their costumes and their makeup to make up for the fact that they could not talk. Hmm. So do yourself a favor, hop on YouTube, check out House of the Devil. It is about three minutes and it'll really give you a glimpse into what filmmaking was like in the 1890s, which I think is super fun. Guess what? Link in show notes. Link in the show notes, baby. (laughs) In the show notes. (laughs) Check it out. Moving right along to keep things chugging. We I I skipped over the the nineteen tens. Nothing really very exciting happened. The next time we see something Well But not in history, in horror movie history, nothing very exciting happened. (laughs) But then in the nineteen twenties, um Germans began really popping off in the the horror movie genre i wonder why (laughs) something called german expressionism was invented the first time we see this is the cabinet of dr caligari in 1920 you can also rent that on youtube also highly recommend the director's (laughs) name is robert wine he's german and if you look up pictures from this movie you can see that the expressionism is in the angular set the architecture there's forced lighting forced perspectives to put you into this world that is it's somehow you know it's off kilter it's a little bit unnerving and it is centered around this doctor who seemingly can tell the future so Mm. we're getting more into you know the psychological horror that george melier started and then in 1922, we get Nosferatu, but made by another German, F.W. Murnau. I'm sure most people are familiar with this very famous vampire. That guy's from SpongeBob. He yeah. was in SpongeBob. Yeah. That's how <laughs> I first heard about him. Yeah. Nosferatu. <laughs> He's over there on the white switch. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is still in the silent film style in that they have to use their bodies and visual storytelling to really make it happen. But what I like about Nosferatu is the impressive use of prosthetics on his character. Hmm. His nose is big and hooked, which 
maybe a little bit of anti-Semitism. We don't have to go into that right now. Um, his fingers are long and pointy, so when he reaches toward the door, his shadow is even more exaggerated. He's got a big old hunchback. He's he's pretty frightening to look at. Yeah, he's got no. big sharp teeth. Definitely was one of those childhood memories when they showed Nosferatu on Spongebob, especially <laughs> it's after It's burned the, in your brain. Yeah, I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> During the hash-slinging slasher episode that was already yeah. kind of freaky. Right. It was, when they hit you over the head with the Nosferatu, it's just like... You know, a little cherry on top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they already got us on edge, and then they show us that guy? <laughs> Oof. Jeez. Oh. <laughs> but what you're saying a lot with these films is that they're limited by the technology of the times, right? Absolutely. So they had, you know, three minutes of film, because that's all the film they can get in, like, a reel, I guess. I don't know how cameras used to work right. back then, but... In the 1890s, absolutely. Um, Into the 1920s, they're, they're full-length films. I think um, Nosferatu's, like, an hour, but... Oh, wow. They're still working with you know very limited resources and very yeah. simplistic cameras and a lot of that's like the material science science of the films themselves too because when you have a film reel you have to tension it so the earlier films of the day were like you know they're basically like paper you tension them too much they tear yeah so that's why you can only get three and five minute films now moving on in the 20s you have like the celluloid film you know like kodak and eastman and all them other guys eastman kodak that was his name right uh, yeah, Kodachrome. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we don't even have audio on these films yet. Right. They're just they're just reels. They're just moving pictures on you know uh, the silver screen, yeah. as it were. So interesting. Yeah, and this stuff was um, pretty revolutionary for the people of the time. You know, they, a moving picture. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they hadn't even seen moving pictures at all in the 1890s, and then by the 1920s, we're seeing horrifying stuff. So, you know, they get a kick in. Thanks, Germany. Yeah, Thanks, Germany. Want... <laughs> You're equally as scary as you've always been. <laughs> they were probably trying to distract themselves because, you know, after World War One, they had to pay all these reparations mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, their currency was going to... <laughs> well, it's funny that you mentioned that <laughs> because a lot of German filmmakers did flee Germany during the Nazi uprising, came to America, and started making movies. Good on them. So Hollywood expressionism really started to take off. We see this in films like Dracula. Dracula. Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I love that the one. The OG Frankenstein was made? In 1931. 1931. All of those movies that right. I just listed were made in 1931, and all of them have been remade many a time. And because, you know, <laughs> yep. when you get something good, you gotta ruin it. Spoofs. <laughs> Why'd you look directly at me when you said that? I was I was waiting for you to continue your line of thought. Oh, sorry. Yeah, spoofs. <laughs> spoofs. Um, yeah, Young Frankenstein came rolled yeah. right almost scene by scene. They copied the original Frankenstein to make Young Frankenstein, um, and oh, it's really? just beautiful. Oh yeah, if you watch them side by side, like throughout the scenes line up, it's incredible. It's a very good movie if you haven't seen it. And horror <laughs> spoofs are also a whole other genre that we probably won't get too into, but are pretty fascinating. Yeah, yeah, they're scary movie. The scary movies. Right. <laughs> Plural. The scary movie franchise, which apparently there are like eight of them. I don't know. And apparently just comes up in conversation. I guess. Didn't think it was going to. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to come up, but here it is coming up. No, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, but there's, you know, we'll get to the stuff later in like the 50s and 60s where it's like, you know, I married Frankenstein or Dracula and Frankenstein in a back alley, you know, stuff like that. I I'm exaggerating. Having a knife fight in a back alley. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they get bored they're like yeah why not we'll just make these <laughs> people are gonna come watch it we'll what do, do you like guys the, have to do do the whole what's that movie called with the with the jets and the sharks 
West Side Story. West Side Story. They have like- <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking jet skiing sharks. And no, I was no, no, like, no. Why haven't I seen this movie? <laughs> They'll do the little dance fight thing. And- <laughs> yeah, that's West Side Story. No, 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 no. Awesome. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can we continue? <laughs> Don't be. Um, so then we get into the 1940s, which unfortunately, nobody was really making horror movies at the time, at least not good ones. There is almost nothing worth mentioning. And I'm sorry if you're listening right now and you are a 1940s um, horror film fan, but <laughs> you're wrong. They're all terrible. Um, except for Cat People, which deserves an honorary mention because of the famous swimming pool scene where she sees a frightened cat and runs into the swimming pool and then begins to see the shadow of a large cat stalking her around the pool. It is, um, it's just beautiful. It's really... I haven't heard of any of these movies yet, so I'm just That's holding okay. on. <laughs> I- I'm talking to people who like black and white movies still. Um, but yeah, they were too busy with World War II, so they really weren't making a lot of stuff in the 40s. Nope. So then we progress to the 50s, which is famously referred to as the age of anxiety with horror movies. We hmm. we get past World War II, we start getting into the Cold War, and something shifts in the dynamic of these movies. We start seeing monsters that are more defined and more sinister, and we also start seeing movies that start with the examples. <laughs> the Blob, The Thing. The Fly, The Curse of Frankenstein, The Mummy, The Vampire, The Giant Leeches. You know, all that good stuff. These are the ones that I'm familiar with. So, like, this is where my knowledge starts. (laughs) Yes. This is, like, the classic, we're going to the drive-in, we're going to go watch The Blob, I'm going to put my arm around you, (laughs) we're going to be drinking milkshakes with two different straws. Yeah. Good. Being safe. (laughs) And you (laughs) no Rona here. No. And you also get movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, House mm. of Wax, and Godzilla, which I want to touch on for a little bit because... Because you got to. I have to talk about Godzilla. Um, this is going to get a little dark for just a moment, but we did some terrible things to Japan. We really did. And all of a sudden, there was this fear that hadn't existed before and movie makers capitalized on it. I mean, not to cheapen, you know, what Godzilla's become, but we we put all these chemicals into their land and into their water and they start thinking like, what happens if all of a sudden something biological happens and this massive lizard climbs out of the ocean and begins attacking Japan. And somebody else was like, we got to make that movie and then make it again and then make it again. And then remake it <laughs> and see if Shia LaBeouf wants to be in it. And, and when he Brian says Cranston's no, get, get get Mark Wahlberg in it. <laughs> this uh, this remake, recent remake of Godzilla? All yeah. my homies hate Mark Wahlberg. True. We don't have to get into that. <laughs> Did he but, do something wrong? I mean, don't. Yes. Okay. Please. <laughs> But both of the World Wars and the Vietnam War as well really kind of flipped the horror genre on its head. All of a sudden, it wasn't just about, you know, vampires. It wasn't just about some guy who has dreams of the future. There was something there was something more insidious beneath it, something, a fear that hadn't been felt before 
by the general public. And what better way to be cathartic about it than to make it into film? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it almost cemented like the whole existential dread thing. Because now you have, <laughs> now you have atomic bombs that can level an entire city with just one, right? Yep. So I'm, I, if I was around back then, I'd be a little afraid. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, the Soviets are going to blow us up, and we're going to blow them up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go watch a movie about a mummy. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm down for <laughs> I that. I feel better. <laughs> Anything that can distract me from the truth, please. All right. <laughs> I mean, that kind of goes into the uh, kind of the psychology behind horror movies, where it is like. Uh, you you watch a horror movie because you get so close to the danger and then there's that just like rush of calm when you like made it through. Mm-hmm. So in a world where you're constantly surrounded by real fears like, hey, we just f***ed up Japan. So Japan might be coming for us and we don't know when it's going to happen. It's just so much easier to go into a movie and be like, oh, there's this mummy. This mummy could get me. Oh, but it didn't. So Japan's no big deal. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what drew people in, I think. Absolutely. Let me ask you a deeper question here. What do you think the overarching... Why why do we like horror movies? Why do we go watch a movie that's going to scare us in the first place? That is a great question. I think there's a lot of different answers for different people. But I think at the root of it, it's it's something that we control. Personally, I like going to see a horror movie because it challenges me. It challenges my sense of security and, you know, gets your heart rate up. It's it's the same reason that people like riding roller coasters. It's mm. it's this fear that things aren't going to be okay or that you're in some kind of danger and then the credits roll or the coaster pulls back in and it's just like a rush, like you conquered your fear you faced it it's over and it was fun it felt good you realized that maybe you liked being a little scared Hmm. like you go through a haunted house and the whole time you're like ah geez (laughs) but as soon as you get out you're like hell yeah we did that yeah (laughs) i don't like any of those things (laughs) i think there's something really triumphant about facing these fears right in the face yeah. yeah. So that's there's, why I like it. Yeah, there's an internal kind of guidance. And I think one of the reasons why I like scary games like Control or like Bioshock to begin with is because there's there's a storyline. That's what motivates me to complete the, the story to get to the end. Yeah. It's not because I want to be scared. That's just a byproduct of, you know, <laughs> completing the game and knowing the story. So. Right. But something that I will touch on later, um, horror is also a vehicle for explaining things that we may not want to look directly in the face yeah things that we are uncomfortable thinking about or talking about so we use allegory to disguise them and make them popular and that is something i will touch on a little bit later um we are currently only in the 50s so let's let's keep that chugging jeez <laughs> but next i want to talk about hitchcock because i really think he kind of deserves his own little segue here. i love alfred hitchcock hell yeah go <laughs> off baby i love your window it's one of my favorite movies one of my favorite older movies yes or the birds or, or the birds what's another one the 39 Steps was the first one that I really thought was worth mentioning. 1939. Okay. Or 35. The 39 Steps in 1935. Not Say the other that way times fast. <laughs> um, Notorious in 46. Dial M for Murder and Rear Window, both in 1954. 
uh, Vertigo, which is one of his most famous Ooh. in 1958. It's a good movie. Psycho, which is... Maybe one of the most famous horror movies ever. So influential. 1960. Everybody knows the the scene where she's in the shower and then they go. Everybody knows it. Yes. (laughs) It has been spoofed in so many things. (laughs) (laughs) The the knife. (laughs) The knife. (laughs) And the fake blood going down the shower drain. I think that's Um, how the film ends, right? No. No? Okay. I mean, if you want me to spoil the ending, I'll go right ahead and do It'd that. It'd be a good no, ending. don't spoil saying. anything. Uh, if you haven't seen Psycho, You've go watch it. you 70 years to do Snowgate. <laughs> it's absolutely worth your time. It's so good. And The Birds, 1963, which I personally thought was pretty silly when I watched it, but... No, it's scary. Honestly, if you see a power line full of, like, 50 birds, <laughs> it's kind of freaky. Yeah. kind of makes you step back and be like, damn, what are all these birds up to? It's creepy. The birds are controlled by the bourgeoisie. Birds aren't. That's real. what we found out later. <laughs> yes. That's what he was going for. Oh, he knew. Oh yeah, the whole he knew time. even back then. He wow. was trying to say birds aren't real. Good uh, on you, Alfred. <laughs> birds aren't real. Birds but don't exist. They will peck your eyes out. We made them up. <laughs> They're battery-powered drones. When was the last time you saw a bird? A real one and touched oh, it. <laughs> I didn't touch it. Yeah, yeah right. It. <laughs> it's bird flu. <laughs> so then honestly hitchcock kind of dominated the 60s because the only other movie that i thought was worth mentioning from the 60s was rosemary's baby which is truly fantastic i'm gonna say this about 20 times on the podcast but if you haven't seen rosemary's baby go watch it (laughs) what's that one about it's really good basically is that the first like a demon put a baby in me movie (laughs) yeah i mean there may have been movies before this but rosemary's baby is the most well done and the most popular Mm -hmm. um this woman named rosemary is um accidentally gets involved with a cult and gets impregnated with the demon baby um but what's really interesting about this movie is that it leaves so many blanks for the audience to fill in because, mm. um, spoiler alert, you never actually see Rosemary's Baby. The topic, the title of the movie is never revealed to us. All that we get to see is the expression on Rosemary's face when she first lays her eyes on her own child. And it is one of horror and confusion and shock and awe and you are left to decide what she's looking at and she backs up into the arms of this cult and that's all we get that's all she wrote so so is that towards the end of the movie you think yeah okay that i think that is the end of the movie that's the end end. okay (laughs) so sorry still worth watching even though i just spoiled (laughs) it for you um i want to see your baby now well you'll never will okay you never will that's the point. You decide what it looks like. I'm feeling ripped off. I watched that movie. <laughs> Just Google it. Like, all right, I'm going to see sure Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary's Baby, Baby. An artist's rendition. <laughs> Just a demon child, whatever. Rosemary's Baby, Baby, Baby. Ooh. <laughs> Thank baby, you, baby, Justin baby. Bieber, who's a Ooh. supporter of the podcast. Is he? Yeah, yep. no, he, he does watch us. He follows us on, uh, on Twitter. Nice. Twitter, Instagram. Shout right. out to the Biebs. He hates being called that. Good. <laughs> Yikes. I'm even more happy that I said it. I then. really hope that he eventually listens to this because that'd be mm, chef's well. kiss. Yeah, he's pretty avid about the podcast, so. Right. Well, good on him. <laughs> this is also a lie. <laughs> yeah, this no, all, all of that. A lie. All that last it bit was, was a, a lie. <laughs> 
All right. Boo! Sorry. I jumped. <laughs> I jumped a little yeah. bit. I, Look at the audio spike. I wanted to remind everyone that this is a spooky episode. Yeah, spooky. Spooky. Oh, they know now. I hope they weren't driving. I was talking about demon babies. I'm sorry if you guys were driving and I just made you swerve into an into a car in the other lane. Sorry about that. My bad. Sorry if you were falling asleep listening to our our luscious voices and I just woke you from your sleep. But you're listening to the Halloween episode, baby. So you yeah. should have saw that coming. Spooky. Who who? Tell me in the chat who on um, Discord or on our number numerous streaming platforms uses to fall asleep. Oh, I would like to know that as well. Probably a lot. They probably, I... fi- they probably find one of my episodes and they're like, this is it. I turned on <laughs> Alex's Twitch stream to fall asleep the other night. Yeah. It was kind of lovely. I was playing some Super Mario 64. Mm-hmm. If you want to watch me on Twitch, it's entertain this. <laughs> Simple plug. It's, it's Twitch forward slash entertain We've this. been told that listening to Alex is like eating cinnamon sugar spread. Boo! <laughs> Got you again. Besides that. <laughs> I like cinnamon sugar. Me too. Synonym sugar. Synonym sugar. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, go on. Let's move on to the 1970s, which was very exciting for horror movies. They yeah, there was really a really scary off. one there. Mm-hmm. Saturday Night Fever. Hey, that's a good film. <laughs> Do you have pretty... anything to add about Saturday Night Fever? Or were you it's just about, trying to spoof on It's it? about disco. It's about drugs. It's about the Bee Gees. So yeah, you could see why it's pretty terrifying. Scary stuff. <laughs> And it's about winning over the heart of a of a young lady using your dance. Using, using your the power of dance. It's the opposite of Footloose. <laughs> <laughs> it's a town where everyone dances, and if That's you right. don't, you're the weird one. <laughs> yeah, you're a square. That is awesome. Thank Maybe you. That might be the night fever. Yeah. Bieber. Might be the night Bieber. All right, too many tie-ups. We got to okay. keep going. <laughs> all right, so in the 70s, all of the traditions of the genre go out the window, and something called the slasher film is created. Ooh. Yeah, we love slasher films. That we do. We see it in things like Halloween, the Amityville Horror, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is mm, really, really good. Um, but if you have a weak stomach or you don't like seeing gore, you may not like this movie. Is this when gore kind of started too? Yeah, slasher is really the first time that we saw. Well, I mean, not the first time. There were movies before it, but this is when it really got popularized. Mm-hmm. Um, there were older movies where all that it was about was gore. You know, yeah, it's a torture chamber and people are getting squished, and that's the whole movie. But these, in that they're slasher films have that element of gore and they also have a plot line they also have a villain they have titular characters and they just they get good at what they're doing they finally get the wheels on the track hit hit their stride right Right, exactly is that is that the one with jason friday the 13th is jason oh okay i get them confused michael is halloween i also get them confused who's the texas chainsaw massacre guy does he have a name i don't know (laughs) I don't remember if he there's someone name. behind the chainsaw. There's I don't know who it is. There's definitely a dude behind the chainsaw. Um, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of my favorites because it's the first time that I remember seeing something called the last person or the survivor. Ooh. Yeah. So it's this concept of a person who makes it through the events of the horror film and makes it out escapes somehow so the last 
shot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre is spoiler again. I'm so sorry. If you just want to skip through this, <laughs> go right ahead. But I'm going to tell you. You've had 40 years to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> you have had a lot of time to watch it if you haven't. But the last shot is this girl who has escaped. All of her friends were brutally murdered, but she is in the back of a pickup truck. She is hitchhiked hitchhiked onto that's hard to say and she's covered in the blood of her friends and she is riding away and almost gleefully laughing that she has escaped this insane situation and that really stuck with me because it it's just fascinating to see you know a survivor and their reactions to escaping something like that um and we'll see a lot more of The Last Person as horror movies go on. But other great 70s films are like Salem's Lot, um, The Exorcist, which is absolutely classic. Love The Exorcist. So good. Pea Soup, vomiting on priests. Classic stuff. Uh, the Omen, which is really good about a little boy who, um, basically another Antichrist movie. Hmm. Um, the Wicker Man, Alien, which is fantastic. Sigourney Weaver. What are you laughing about? The Wicker <laughs> The Wicker Man with Nick Cage. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> not not related, of course. No. Okay. Another um, sad remake. <laughs> Suspiria, which also got a remake, but not a sad one. The remake of Suspiria is really good. Um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is a lot like... That's a remake, isn't it? Before. Yeah, from the 50s. Yeah. So, but, you know, it's a good remake. So, yeah. worth mentioning. Oh, they're already on the remake train. Right. <laughs> um, and Jaws. Jaws is another really good 70s horror movie um it's not a movie that you think is a horror movie right that's what i was gonna say it's more like an action movie but once you like break it down into its sub pieces mm-hmm. it you start to realize like oh this is exactly like every slasher film <laughs> except instead of the woods it's the ocean instead of nighttime it's the middle of summer which yep. is worse yeah in this case some some horrible things can happen in broad daylight and that is something that jaws shows us like yeah. jerks and it's um the first time that i'll mention especially with like Halloween as well in this whole category, the use of the, the theme of movies um, sticking with us and creating a sense of fear because everybody knows this sound. Like everybody knows what that is. It's Jaws. There's a shark coming. It's the first thing you learn in band class. It's true. <laughs> First thing you learn on piano, too. Yeah, it's, it's too dum dum, you know. Yeah. So you know that it's just it's a couple notes, but the way that it's played and its dissonant nature—it's <laughs> that increase in tempo. It's like something's yeah, coming. It sets you on edge. It makes you know that something terrible is coming. Something coming. Something's coming. Something's coming. Something's coming. Now it's here. It's that whole, uh, everyone's afraid of sharks at that point. Yeah. From that point on, we're like, you know, sharks were like a problem before, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> then after the movie comes out, they're like, I'm not swimming in the ocean. <laughs> That's where Jaws is. No, sir. Which is actually, not to segue too far here, but it's pretty sad because I feel like Jaws kind of created sharks this. a bad name. Yeah, this shark phobia. And now, <laughs> like, sharks are murdered. Left and right, we murder way, way more sharks than sharks ever. Can I put your mind people. at ease? Yeah, what's up? we are no longer afraid of sharks. 
No. As a society. Because of Shark Week. Because of, well, (laughs) Shark Week. Week. But more importantly, because once they're sucked up by a tornado and we see them go flying into a semi, (laughs) like, you can't be afraid of that anymore. You're just like, oh, it's just a bullet. Another great example of a horror movie spoof. Yeah, just absolutely terrible. Sharknado. Thought it was a serious film. (laughs) Absolutely not. So we had Jaws. That was in the 80s? Okay. So now we're moving up to the well, 90s. Well, Jaws was made in the 70s. But oh, 70s. So now we're moving up to the like 80s. Like late 70s. Right. But yeah, now we're in the 80s. Classic. Um, but <laughs> not to linger on Sharknado too long, but those whole like Sharknado and Birdemic and movies like that. <laughs> Birdemic are... was serious. Oh, okay. <laughs> they, it was just very poorly done, but it was still so a... Bad. Whoever wrote that script intended it to be done well <laughs> and intended it to be scary. It's supposed to be like a save the environment kind of movie. Yeah, but and it's it supposed to be so scary, scary. That's because they had no budget. Those poor, poor <laughs> You're bastards. You're so right. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. You hate to see it. <laughs> you do. Neither do we. Um, but keeping on the theme of the slasher and the famous you know, horror movie music theme, we go to the 80s, which also brings something called slapstick horror, which is more (laughs) like, you know, the Lost Boys and Poltergeist and the Evil Dead, which have moments of levity. I love Evil Dead. Moments where it gets to be a little fun, a little funny. Um, We also get Friday the 13th, which is very titular to the genre. Um, The Shining, Christine, um, this is kind of... Pet Cemetery. This is where Stephen King, um, his writing really takes off as being adapted into films. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nightmare on Elm Street, which produces Freddy Krueger, another very, very famous horror icon. Um, and these movies, they're not all, they don't all get the levity that some of them do, but it, it kind of shifts into you know these are these are mainstream movies they're not just like you go see them if that's what you want from your movie experience on a friday night they're all of a sudden like you know the shining is one of the top grossing and most famous movies of all time um they're blockbusters yeah they're blockbusters absolutely literally yeah <laughs> so you know it just becomes more mainstream more popular and um these horror movie icons are born. You know, everybody recognizes the the man with the ski mask or the man with the <laughs> knife fingers. I do. Even if you haven't seen the movies, you know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> You're proving the point right here. I haven't seen any, like, I've probably seen one or two of the movies, every mm-hmm. movie you've mentioned. Yeah. But I know the characters. You still know them. I know, you know, Jason with the, the hockey mask right? and whatever else. <laughs> like, I'm aware of those. Yeah. I don't have to watch the movies, but I know what they are. Because they're ingrained <laughs> in pop culture. Oh, yeah. Big time. And they get spoofed just like anything else. <laughs> probably seen more spoofs in the movie than yeah. the movie itself. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of spoofs of these characters. You know, we see a, a Freddy Krueger spinoff on Rick and Morty. Yeah, <laughs> I almost made Nick spit his water. Just because he just remembered about uh, the guy who runs around going, "I'm gonna get you, <laughs> bitch!" <laughs> Scary Terry. Scary Terry. Scary Terry. Yes, Correct. thank you. <laughs> thank you for providing that name. Oh, it's a, such a hilarious there. episode. <laughs> you don't have to have a high IQ to understand it, of course. I mean, no, of course not. Yeah, I mean, Rick and Morty. Some of it's pretty lowbrow stuff. You have to have a high IQ to just figure out how to watch Rick and Morty. <laughs> it's true. No, it's on Hulu. Just to get to the episode. Wow, you must be like level 600 IQ. <laughs> You're playing 40 chess. Wow. 
4D chess. You like whatever you just said. I, my IQ could not compute it, so I don't. I still don't know how to watch it. No disrespect to those Rick and Morty fans out there, but there are some that are. Um... There are some that are less palatable. Than others. Yeah, yeah <laughs> some, some drop down to the like 300 IQ level for sure. It happens. Yeah, those are the ones I found on uh, Stream Bay. <laughs> what? That's where you get a uh, pirated. Uh, Rick and Morty episodes. Oh, okay. I was not privy to that information. No, that hits. That, there yeah, it is. There you go. <laughs> would you steal Art. from your mom's purse? Hey, no. would you download a house? Then what? <laughs> then don't. Then don't pirate. It's too late, baby. It is way too late. Would for you steal that. from your mom's purse? No. Because if you if you would steal from an artist, that's the same as stealing from your mom. It's true. And that's the scariest thing of all. <laughs> well, I hate to break it to you, but I was a big user of LimeWire, Napster, <laughs> YouTube to MP3. You steal from your mom's purse. Hit up all of it. Yeah. You stole my from mom, I didn't need to steal from my mom's purse. My mom was like, here's a 20. Go have fun. At least that's what you heard <laughs> when you were stealing from your mom's purse. <laughs> You're stealing from those poor artists that are just scraping to get by. Like, right. Like good old Justin Bieber. <laughs> scraping to get by. Scraping now that he's broken girl. up with Selena Gomez, who even cares about him anymore? Yeah, he's no married. Money. Oh, yeah. Ask, ask me to who? Who? I don't give married? a f- It's not Selena Gomez. I don't know. I don't know her name and I don't care to. I don't follow celebrity news, unfortunately. Yeah, it's all good. Actually, I think he... No. Somebody is married to a Baldwin. It might be him. Justin like, Bieber's married to Alec Baldwin. <laughs> not Alec, but either his Speaking daughter of Alec Baldwin, or his stepdaughter. Uh, you guys remember Beetlejuice? Yeah. It's no. a scary movie. It's pretty scary. I didn't put it on this list. But. I'm throwing it out so that it just can be a part of it. Please. Beetlejuice is scary. Yeah. Like, Beetlejuice is a scary movie. But it also has those wonderful moments of levity. Yeah. But, like, that giant snake scene, scary. The sandworm. Scary. Mm-hmm. The Alaskan bullworm. Scary. Some of those practical effects where they make their faces, like, horrifying and contorted. That's crazy. Burned in your brain. What about the one where uh, they're doing the seance and they bring the, like, bony version of her back and then she slowly fills out into her true form? What a great movie. It's really good. What else you got on your list? <laughs> well, we're moving on to the 90s now, which, again, I have more Stephen King on here. Think what you will about Stephen King and the questionable things that he puts into his books. It was one time. <laughs> it was Can not we one stop time. Stop bringing it up. It absolutely was not one Everybody time. Everybody wants to talk about this now. What I'm not just about? talking about the child orgy scene. There's a child orgy scene in it. That's not cool. In the book. It's not, not cool. You're right. It is definitely not cool, but I've heard enough about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, but there's he he's not perfect. No, God no. But he does have some absolutely fantastic movies. In the 90s, we get Misery with Kathy Bates, which is about this writer who gets kidnapped by a woman who's obsessed with him, and she, like, locks him in her house and breaks his ankles just to keep him there. Yeah. And scary stuff. She's like, will you write your next book right now? About me? Please. And he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So here's what's weird about uh, just, a little, just a little sidebar uh, for you law fans out there. Um Sidebar is a court term for when a lawyer talks about something off the record. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's what it is. Thank you. Fun um, fact. So a little sidebar for you guys. Um, Stephen King often in his novels writes in an author character that he, it's basically he writes a story about himself. So like he wrote himself into it because one of the little boys grows up to be an author, the main little boy, mm-hmm. uh, grows up to be an author. And in this case, he's like gone into interviews and been like, 
yeah, the author in this story, it was me. It was me fantasizing about what is the most scariest thing to happen to me, which would be some fan kidnaps me, breaks my legs, and forces me to write a story while they hold me captive. And it is terrifying That's yeah, when scary. he wrote Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. And the movie is just as scary, even if you know, you're not famous and you don't write, there's still there's still a fear for anyone that there's somebody out there that'll throw you in the back of their van and nobody will ever hear from you again. Yeah. You know, you see those Amber Alerts just go constantly of missing kids, missing adults that are like, this person hasn't been seen since 2005. Like, it's all too real, which is why these movies are still so poignant and so frightening. It's a real-life thing that can happen. Yeah. Outside of a giant shark biting your boat in half. That can right. happen. Well, and, you know, right. it yes. is about a demonic... You megalodons? Those things are crazy. True. It is about, like, a demonic shape-shifting clown, but <laughs> there's still something rooted in that childhood fear of... The monsters under your bed. Yeah. No. The unseen, so, the, the darkness. So it... I know way too much about Stephen King, because I watched, like, a lot of... When, like, the It movies were coming out, the new ones, I watched a lot of YouTube videos in, like, the lore behind It and the, like, <laughs> Stephen King universe. Because all of them are linked together. Oh. Um, they all take place in the same universe. They all reference each other. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like, what is Dairy? No, Mary? Where, where's, where does It take place? Do you guys remember the... I think it is Dairy. Is it Dairy? Yeah. I also think it's Dairy. Um, so, I think it's Dairy, Indiana, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Dairy, Indiana? <laughs> Yeah, instead like of Gary, but yeah. you know, not copyrighted. It's funny. <laughs> no, it's wait. Funny. I think it's Dairy. It's Dairy, Maine. Final answer. He does write a lot about Maine. I think it's Dairy, Maine. But um, anyway, fact check us in the comments. Back to what I was. Back to my initial point, <laughs> which was um, I've done a lot of lore into Stephen King, and I know that it is actually written. It's the fear of growing up. It's the fear of losing childhood innocence. Hmm. That is what that is the scary thing. Um, the monster that eats children, he eats them because they are innocent. Um, and it's that fear of growing up and losing that innocence. That's what he is trying to uh, per what's the word um, convey. Conveys, yeah. Okay. And it gets really solidified in the second one when we see them all as adults and mm-hmm. their innocence is gone and they're still haunted. Yeah, the ghosts of their past. Yeah, exactly. And they have to go back to the place where they grew up and leave behind all these lives. And also in this, in the second part, which is still the first book, um, but in the second part, they go into um, how when they leave Derry, they don't remember anything that happened. But when they come back, they remember all of it because that childhood innocence is still there, sitting with Pennywise. Um, And it's also a pretty good. statement on trauma because if you're truly traumatized the brain often shuts those things out for your own protection yeah yeah so. it's also like location lock too if you go to the like that one place where the trauma occurred then it's like oh no now i'm reliving it, it all again. comes rushing back again Absolutely. and again and again so yeah and now i'm screaming <laughs> and i'm screaming and it's the scariest thing of all your internal <laughs> thoughts and monologues speaking of screaming in the 90s we get scream which yeah. is a bit of a spoof, but still pretty scary. It's still really scary because yeah. the caller was inside the house. The whole time. So many kids on Halloween night wear the scream mask. Yeah, yeah. and none of them know what it is. No, I was Or they're curious. all like, this is a scary monster ghost. It's like, yeah. no, it's not. <laughs> like, but it's another that? very iconic, you know, image that we get from this movie that lives on. Yeah. Even if we don't. 
I was no screamed for is. Halloween one year. I'll admit it. <laughs> admit it. I had a little heart pump that made blood come out. Yeah. Like, yeah. Everyone was, had those. I filled I it with one. chocolate milk, and then I'd throw it away because it smelled bad. Yeah, that's fair. But you could fill it with any liquid, so sure. I was like... It was a smart idea. I mean, mm-hmm. I got to give you credit for that. Thank you. Yeah, Thank seriously. you so much, guys. <laughs> I give you feel so much better about my childhood Some other 90s movies that I want to hit on are Jacob's Ladder, which is not a super popular one, but I personally love it. It has... The guy from Shawshank Redemption in it, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. Shawshank? Mm-hmm. Shawshank is a horror movie? No. Okay. It has the guy from Shawshank in it. My bad. You're good. Morgan Freeman? No. No. <laughs> the other guy. The other one. Oh, okay. His name escapes me, but he has one. The one who Morgan Freeman is like, I'm Morgan Freeman, and I'm yeah. doing I an intro monologue <laughs> about this guy off the bus. Mm-hmm. He was the guy off the bus. Right. Oh. Um, the Blair Witch Project. Oh, that was the very first found footage horror movie. So, so good. Again, I say, if you haven't seen it, you absolutely must. And if you absolutely must see that one, you have the option to see the sequel. The sequel's okay. It's okay. You know what? I'm excited about that. <laughs> I watched the sequel, and the sequel was okay. Did you see it in theaters? Yes. Really? I did. Me too. It was great for the theater experience yeah absolutely it was a very cool theater experience um obviously it is nothing like the original except that it's another found footage thing and they're like references to the original and it's like still the blair witch that they're going after right but But in terms of style wise and tone wise it's really they're not similar movies but can we take a hot second just to talk about blair witch of course because i got some things i want to say go ahead so here's here's what's cool about blair witch um it isn't specific it goes back to that trend of leaving you to assume mm-hmm. what is going on just like the older movies of its time because had. just like rosemary's baby you never see the blair witch yes you oh. never see the blair witch so there's the argument that at the end of the day there was no blair witch and the actual person doing all the killing were the two boys they took this girl out into the woods telling her that they're hunting the blair witch but their plan is to murder her which is like this crazy conspiracy you go back you watch the movie with that in mind and you're like ah, what's happening right because there is a lot of emotional manipulation happening between the three of them oh yeah and like a lot of people are like that's the witch's magic it's like come on or they're all just really stressed and hungry and scared and tired and they're gonna kill her <laughs> but who's to say Who's to say? Go watch Blair Witch. That's your interpretation to make. You, and that's the best part of it. Uh, it's message us on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Tell us that we're wrong. <laughs> it's entertain underscore this. Go find us. Should I go watch that, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, go watch Blair Witch Project. Just watch, watch the first one. Yeah. Um, Thanks for the homework. You're welcome. Some <laughs> other honorable mentions would be Candyman, uh, Silence of the Lambs, which is part of the Hannibal Lecter series. That was a series. good movie. Fantastic. Wouldn't call it a horror. Another classic. Well, it's more on the thriller side of things, but it still definitely has some horror elements that made me included here. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. A fun fact, Anthony Hopkins does not blink once during that movie. Watch it again. Watch his eyes. He doesn't blink. Hello, Clarice. (laughs) Hello, Clarice. (laughs) Have the lambs stopped screaming, Clarice? It's great. Very quotable. (laughs) Good movie. Um, Another... Honorable mention is Interview with the Vampire, which is the first time we see little baby Kirsten Dunst. It is mm-hmm. her first movie credit, um, and mm-hmm. it has um, Tom Cruise and who's the other one? Katy Perry. No. Nope. <laughs> Interview, man. With, Interview with the Vampire was... Remember? No. Okay. I couldn't tell you. Okay. Somebody else is going to have to tell you. I'll get there. Give uh, me a second. Interview with the Vampire was parodied 
to make What We Do in the Shadows, the movie, which was then continued on to What We Do in the Shadows, the uh, series. Yes. Yeah, it's a good series. Yeah. Take my word for it. Or don't. <laughs> but you should go uh, watch it. Brad I Pitt. also did a quick this on it. It's Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. Oh. Two of the most famous actors ever. So They're doing stuff. They are vampires. I haven't seen it. Well, it's great. It's about this guy who he's like a reporter and he interviews um, Tom Cruise's character about what his life was like as a vampire. and What his life was like? Is he no longer a vampire? He's still a vampire, but he, he tells him of his his adventures because he has now become a bit of a hermit, a recluse. Mm-hmm. So he's like, here's what happened before I removed myself from public life. He retired. Yeah, He's collecting essentially. social security now. Well, I don't know if you can. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't have a heartbeat. Oof. <laughs> uh, another really good vampire movie is From Dusk Till Dawn, which is Quentin Tarantino. Um, and this one, it's more of a fun, like, uh, slasher gore, like, bar setting, but it's also really disgusting if you're into that kind of thing. Nope. Um, <laughs> and in 99, we get The Sixth Sense, which is... I believe it's M. Night Shyamalan's first good movie. Um, and he has other good ones after that, but I think it's his first one like really worth mentioning because we get The Sixth Sense, we get um, Signs, and then things go a little bit off the rails for him. A lot of his movies are absolutely not worth mentioning in any context. So. A lot of them are, though. Yeah, Sixth Sense is really incredible. And, you know, it's got that famous... I see dead people line with oh, sweet little Haley Joel Osment. That's yeah. the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who later makes an appearance in What We Do in the Shadows. Yes, he does. So there's another tie in. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he was, uh, plug he was for a guest. What We Do in the Shadows. Also find that on Hulu. Yeah. Um, what else is on Hulu? Rick and Morty. That's what we were talking about earlier. I'm sorry, I blacked out again. That's okay. <laughs> home Improvements also on Hulu. No, I made that up. What? No. <laughs> no Home Improvement. Oh, okay. <laughs> The most horrifying thing. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Allen. Don't improve your homes. A child. No. Tim Allen. <laughs> and then uh, we get into the last 20 years of horror, which is really, really choice. Personally, some of my favorite movies of all time were made in the last 20 years in the horror category. Um, I don't personally like the Saw franchise, but it has been incredibly successful. Another one of those gore slasher kind of things. It's very popular, and a lot of people really, really like it. It's got a really good story. It does. Hmm. And it's got a really interesting villain and interesting I would say anti-villain. Okay. Um, He's more of a... uh... Touch on that. Okay, so the movie kind of... (laughs) Please talk. The movie kind of works in a vigilante kind of a like twisted way where he's like, I only torture the people who have wronged other people. Okay. And all of the ways that I torture them um, are punishments that have to do with the way that they have wronged other people. Mm-hmm. And like that's always a monologue that he goes into when he's like introducing the torture machine that they're in. He's like, Elizabeth. For too long, you have stood in line at the grocery store counting out your pennies. Now, you will have to tell me how many pennies are on the floor before you die. <laughs> the floor is also covered in glass. <coughs> Sorry. Wow. My voice hurt. Um, <laughs> if you missed it, I said the floor was covered in glass. Yeah. Yeah, that's well true. Pennies. But um, well, that's fine. As my, long as it's not broken. My it's further, broken. 
Damn. <laughs> My further appreciation for Saw goes into the fact that it started out in a film festival. It was a five-minute short. And the minute that people saw it, they were like, give us an hour-long version of this. And they were like, what? So they took that 10-minute that short and they stretched it out to be an hour. And that's what started the Saw series. And now there's so circle. many of them. How about that? Yeah. You go from five minutes to an hour. And yeah. literally, it was a no-budget, like, five-minute short film that they just entered on a whim. And they were like, next thing you know, you got a franchise. Yeah. Dude made billions. Oh, I'm sure. Buku bucks. Bank. <laughs> Total bank. <laughs> um, I mentioned Signs already, the other M. Night Shyamalan movie that I am privy to. Hmm. Um, we get Carrie with Sissy Spacek, which also got a remake that I don't care about. Uh, the original is the only thing that matters. Did M. Night Shyamalan make Split? Yes. Split is a relatively new one that I really enjoy. Oh, is that the guy with the Plug split personality? Oh, Unbreakable. I totally forgot about Unbreakable. Unbreakable? That's a really good Shyamalan movie. Yeah. And then Split and Glass. is like a... Uh, they're... They go on from that storyline. Yeah. They're like continuations of it. Uh-huh. But yeah. Okay. I'm sorry, M. Night Shyamalan. If you're Even listening though... to this, you haven't made only shit movies. Full disclosure, Split uh, did a, a lot of harm to the mental illness community, and I recognize oh, that. we're going to talk about that. Um, we're going to talk about that. I recognize that. Mm-hmm. However, it's a fictional character. You just got to take it person by person. That's true. We'll get into that a little bit later. We don't have to be completely PC here. That's like, true. completely uh, yeah. on our soapbox. <laughs> but I'm going to be in the end. Um, that's that's how I plan to wrap this, is Great. hopping up on my soapbox. But we're not there yet. Uh, more movies from the last 20 years. Seven. Fantastic. More of a, like, <laughs> crime thriller. The sequel, eight. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really, really good. Um, Pan's Labyrinth which originally was a Spanish film that got translated into English. Um, it's by Guillermo del Toro. It is really fantastic. <laughs> Guillermo. Guillermo. <laughs> what we do in the shadows. Right. Once again, Another yes, What we you. do in the shadows plug. Guys, go watch What We Do in the Shadows. What a great way to start October. <laughs> Truly. Starting off a series that is just full of Halloween goodness mm-hmm. and creepy paper. <laughs> creepy paper. Master, that says creepy, creepy paper. <laughs> um, speaking of franchises, The Conjuring, yeah. which got a sequel and then some spinoffs. Yeah. Not that I've seen the spinoffs, but people seem to like them. It made a lot of money. Um, my the my. Witch, which, fun fact, Alex and I actually saw together before we were dating. Yeah. We just kind of went as friends. And then Scandal. I was like, oh, I'm so scared. She had a boyfriend. Scandal. <laughs> uh, the Babadook, which is on Netflix. Love The Babadook. Another one of those, what's the deeper meaning of this horror film thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's very psychological with the mother and her child and this fear that they almost, um, you know, they're almost egging each other on mm-hmm. in, in how scared they get of. It's a story of grief. Yeah. Of it's a story of um a single parenthood and the fear of that. There's a lot to that one. Shout out to all you single parents out there. You are doing the Lord's work. Shout out to you single parents who still love your child and don't kill them. He doesn't die. No. <laughs> Just the Baba Duke is like oh. Um a, a spoofier movie that I personally think is absolutely fantastic is The Cabin in the Woods. It has some very funny moments, but at its root, it is a really, really fantastic horror movie that kind of takes all of those little nuances about the genre and amplifies them. 
Um, and it, you know, it goes absolutely batshit at the end, which is my favorite part. But, um, you know, it takes the classic five kids going out to a cabin and getting all sexy. And then all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> zombies are attacking. But it's so much more than that. And y- it's like an evil dead spoof. You never guess what's coming at the end. <laughs> pretty great i feel like we would be privy not to no i'm not going to spoil that at all yeah no that's just that's worth discovering on your own okay for sure (laughs) um it's pretty gross though another gore warning pretty bloody hey are you gonna uh are you gonna mention uh you you can see my notes are you gonna mention tusk i was not planning on mentioning tusk Tusk? but if you must talk about it be my guest no i invite you (laughs) Okay. Um, So Tusk is a movie. Uh, God. It's a film. It is a film that was made. Yeah. Uh, These guys were, they were really drunk, right? They were like super belligerently drunk. Yeah. On the podcast Uh that they were talking. It was a, it's a horror movie birthed from a podcast. How can we not talk about it? So they're super drunk and they start talking about the concept of this guy who, gets stranded on an island and the only way that he can survive is um with this walrus that he is abandoned with and he befriends a walrus yeah so the walrus keeps him warm on those cold cold nights on this island but eventually he has to kill the walrus for sustenance and he gets off of this island and um, we flash forward to Justin Long's character who also has a podcast yeah but he's a real ass. Yeah, his podcast is just about embarrassing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the beginning of the movie is he travels to Canada to interview the star, the like uh, broom closet Star Wars kid. You remember that video? No. Of the kid who's like fighting, and it's like one of the first videos to ever go viral. Mm-hmm. It was a kid who was fighting with a broom, and people like parodied it and like put actual lightsabers on the he's end. He's like of it in and- his garage with like a sawed-off broomstick, and he's like. Nyeh, 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 nyeh. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like fine. Uh, but fun. he goes to interview him. This is how the movie starts. He goes to interview him. He shows up to his doorstep to interview him on his podcast, and it's kind of a Tosh point style podcast. Like okay. this is your redemption. Another yeah, Haley Joel Osment movie. He's the other. Yeah, guy on the he podcast. is. You're right. He is the other guy on the podcast. He loves doing horror. He really does. <laughs> um, but he goes and the he finds out the kid committed suicide, and instead of being like this is so sad, he's like, well now I got to find another asshole to interview. That kid kicked the bucket. So in a bar, Funny. he's, <laughs> <laughs> he sees a flyer that says, I've got a really good story to tell if you just let me tell it. So he takes the slip and he calls the guy up and he goes out to his house. Would you like to continue? I would not. Okay. Oh, this, this I think that we're going to stop there. This is the movie though. This is the movie. Okay. The mm-hmm. guy the guy in the house is the walrus guy and that's what you need to know. That's Start watching guy. it there. All right. Oh boy. So now not that, watching it. that's over with. <laughs> um... My number one, it, it's in my top five movies of all time, but my number one favorite horror movie is called It Follows. Mm. It, I saw that one in L.A. Nice. Yeah. That's really cool. Nice in theaters Alex. in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. You saw it in L.A. Hey, we have L.A. listeners. Did theater, you know huh? that? Really? We have listeners in L.A. Shout out to our L.A. listeners. That is so awesome. Yeah, if stay you're... safe out there, guys. Yeah. yeah staying safe. Truly. Staying inside. But what, are we supposed to do? what is so fantastic about It Follows is the movie for me almost exists in like this timeless vacuum because the technology of the movie is very 
um, purposefully ambiguous. Mm -hmm. You can't really nail down a time period that this happens in, but you meet this group of teenagers, particularly this one girl who goes out on a date with this guy and they end up getting a little frisky mm. and then they he... have sex in a car yes and then he <laughs> chloroforms her <laughs> and when she wakes up she is tied to a wheelchair and he's like i'm so sorry yeah basically he's like <laughs> oh now it, that... it was an accident right i mean just no <laughs> he's like i'm sorry i had to do this to you but i had to do this to you it was very intentional oh snap okay so when she wakes up, he's like, I'm really sorry that I had to do this to you, which is an interesting allegory for some other horrible things that happen. Um, but he's like, now that we have slept together, something is going to be following you and it'll never stop. And you can't see it. You can't see it. You can't see it if um, if you don't have it. That's what it is. Right. If, if, if it's not following you... You can't see it. So eventually when she starts being attacked, all of her friends just see her like being thrown around by nothing. But um, I'm getting ahead of myself. Basically, he's like, something is going to follow you. It's never going to stop. It moves very slowly. So you can always run. But it's always going to be following you. So can I do another tidbit on this? Go ahead. (laughs) So this actually started out as an idea of it was a question. It was you get a million dollars, right? Okay. You hit the button, you get a million dollars. It's yours. Or no, <laughs> but you get a million dollars, but Okay. There is a snail, and if the snail touches you, you're dead. But he moves at a snail's pace and he can't move any faster than that, but he always knows where you are and he's always headed straight for you. Would you take the money? Well, That's you- what it started as. And then they were like, <laughs> What if we added to this? I could. I could just lock my doors. But the thing but is, it could get you're in. never, ever yeah. safe. It's locked out. Because even when they're <laughs> locked in their house, yeah. it comes in. He just phases through the doors. Finds and stuff. a way. All of a It'll like climb through the window or like break a window or like... Standing in their kitchen. Ooh, that's scary. <laughs> There's never even any like broken glass. All of a sudden, it's just there. He's here. But are you kind of getting the allegory of this? Is this like a... <laughs> If I want to say it, is it um, is it like a sexually transmitted disease type of thing where it's like, well, hey, you got it now. Sorry. <laughs> it's always going to be with you. <laughs> There's I certainly mean, elements of that. No, but that is what, yeah. that is kind was, of yeah. one of the hitting points because yeah. even after it catches you and it kills you, it goes back to the next person. To try to hunt them down and kill them. And it'll keep going down the line. Like, oh. So, so the only way to get rid of it is to pass it on. Oh. But you never Which really get rid of it, there. because at any point, it can come back. <laughs> it can kill the person that you gave it to and come back to you. So you're truly never safe. So, oh. and yes. And you see that this guy's life has, like, deteriorated in fear. Oh, yeah. Mine would, too. Yeah, absolutely. He He's, like, you know, walled himself into his own house, and he doesn't feel safe, even though he's passed it on to her, because she could get murdered at any moment. And then it comes back to him. And then... Well, she ends up passing it on to somebody else. Yeah, but, okay, so that's two degrees of separation at that point. Right. But it's still just two. Yeah. So it's still there's no there's no peace for these characters. But you're 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 hitting the nail semi on the head. All right. When you think, yes, this is an allegory for an S T D. Yeah. Like um, like herpes. Among other things. Or, you know, any kind of sexual trauma that can mm. happen to you and And there are some very minute details in It Follows that if you notice them, you're like, Oh, like um 
nearing the end of the movie when it's following her, it takes the form of a man who you haven't seen in the movie before, and you're like, who the, who the <laughs> is this guy? You remember that part? Mm-hmm. I rewatched it. I watched it twice, um, once in theaters and once when I got back home. And at the beginning of the movie, it shows a family portrait, and you never meet her dad, mm-hmm. but the man at the end is her father. No. Yeah, which kind of leads you in this direction of did her father do something to her and then get locked away or did he do something to her and then run off or why is like why is her father tied to this sexual experience why is the scary sexual thing for her her dad yeah Mm -hmm. Hmm. but i get the feeling that all of the things that are following her following them um have died you just kind of get that impression based on what they look like and how they act um one of the things that is following her is a woman, like, only in her skivvies and socks. And when she shows up, she's, like, peeing herself. And, um, you know, she's, like, totally whitewashed. Just, like, a really upsetting portrait of a woman who so is clearly So an undead character, yeah. yeah. I think it kind of takes form of the thing that sexually charges you the least. So, like, walking in on your grandmother naked is kind of what that is. I I don't yeah, I don't point. know if it takes the path of like all these things are dead. I think it's like what is the least sexy thing for this person? Yeah. Because that takes many many forms for her. No, it doesn't take forms for her. It doesn't take many forms for her. It takes many when it when it's seen, when it takes forms, it's usually for different people cuz you see like three or four people in the movie have it follow them um because it gets passed back down the line. But you see <laughs> three or four iterations of it just from her perspective. Yeah. So, you know, another thing that is to be interpreted by you. What does it mean? Exactly. What does it all mean? What does it all mean? Um, and recently some very, very popular horror movies have come out. Um, Jordan Peele made two of them. Get Out and Us were both incredibly successful yep. um, and very, very good and also have some interesting allegories for race and, um, you know, mental institutions. And you mean to watch those. They're worth your time. Oh, okay. NPR- <laughs> I mean, these all are. I can't <laughs> I say that yeah. any of them aren't worth your time is the thing. Um, NPR had a field day yeah. <laughs> on, on Get Out. They're oh, like, yeah. They were interviewing Jordan Peele and he's like, well, you know, it's all about this stuff. And yeah, so I feel like I gleaned enough knowledge off of like the right. interviews and them discussing it to no end yeah. <laughs> until I get what the movie is about. But right. I'm probably still watching the movie. Yeah. It's really well done. Is I'll the watch thing. Like, if you like good movies, I do. it's just well done. Um, <laughs> I like bad movies too. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> um, but the other two that I wanted to go ahead and mention before we get into the next segment of this, which I will try to do quickly. I know we're already over an hour. Um, the A24 studio, which has made so, so many movies. If you go back, they've made like 20 or 30, like just horror films. But the ones that have been the most popular and have also been blockbusters are Hereditary and Midsummer, or Midsommar, however you want to pronounce it. Um, <laughs> both of which were incredibly popular and also very well done. And um, also can be interpreted in a lot of different ways. Um, so, you know. Give those a watch. Uh, you'll never recover. I'd say pretty much every movie on this list is going to take a piece of you with it. That's true. That's true. I'm, <laughs> wow. I'm basically just Swiss cheese at this point. Or it's going to leech onto you and you're going to have to carry it. <laughs> These all live in my brain rent free. That's what Let's I don't like straight. about. Hey, I read those. that on Twitter a couple times. <laughs> yeah, don't let the, however that phrase goes. 
live let it live rent free yeah, in your I mean, head yeah so, well, so that's do. why i won't watch these horror movies they do because you don't want them to also you go to bed at nine you don't need anything keeping you nope, up <laughs> certainly don't that's true <laughs> <laughs> i like sleep all right so the last thing that i'm going to talk about with these horror movies now that we have broken down the whole genre by the decade um, is the hows and the whys, which we've already kind of touched on. A little bit. Um, but some of the how is, you know, why why do these movies scare us? Why do we find them so frightening? Part of that is the very intentional choices of the filmmakers, both in cinematography and in sound. Um, and with cinematography, you look at a movie like The Shining, where this family is isolated in a massive hotel in the middle of nowhere. Like they're closed in by mountains on every side. And this hotel is is absolutely massive. And they're the only ones there. They've been hired to take care of it over the winter months because it's more of a, a summer destination for tourists. Get snowed in. So, right. So you see these, these massive like scoping landscape shots not only of the hotel but of you know the rooms and the hallways and it feels like it's never ending when he's um when the child is riding his bike around the corridors they all look the same you know it's like he's in an endless loop so it gives you this sense of how isolated they are and how truly alone they are and um you know that there's no running from whatever they happen to find here. Um, and another movie that I didn't really talk about, but I want to hit on now is Jacob's Ladder. Um, another use of cinematography in this one. Um, Jacob's Ladder is about a man who goes to war. And when he comes back, he's deeply disturbed and sees horrifying things in his mind. And the cinematography of this movie takes you on that journey with him because you see, you know, these distorted images that he has in his mind and you see these horrible things and you know, you kind of go along with him into his journey of psychosis and madness. Um, and it, like any of the found footage films use cinematography to their advantage that it's so personal, you know, in Blair Witch they're, they're holding the cameras themselves. So it feels so much more real, so much more acute. Hmm. Um, like it, could have happened to you this could be your home movie um hopefully not (laughs) right (laughs) and it follows does some of the same um there's one shot in the beginning that i love so much because it's one continuous shot of a girl who's running and she's looking behind her something is following her you can't see it but she's running from it and somebody comes outside and they're like hey are you okay and she just keeps running down the street and the shot doesn't stop and it follows her and she's it just looks like a guy doesn't it what like the it that's following her when it does show it or does it not show it in it doesn't show scene? it in the beginning mm-hmm. so you just see this girl running and looking over her shoulder and she's wearing like heels so you know she's not in her running shoes she run fast. but she <laughs> is going because she's clearly very very frightened and the camera just follows her it's unrelenting and it's almost like you're it for a second because you see this perspective mm. um and these are just ways that the the filmmakers are kind of forcing you into the story, into the madness. Um, and we'll we'll talk about sound a little more if we have time, but you know, we touched on how Jaws has a, a very 
titular sound effect and you know everybody knows the yeah halloween theme like very frightening these are things that you know even if you haven't seen the movies scary yeah um but I wanted to read this quote. It is from an essay by a man named R.H.W. Dillard. He writes about horror and why we enjoy it so much. Um, the essay begins, I suppose that all significant Western art, at least since the medieval period, has been directly concerned with the original fall of man and the consequent introduction of sin and death into the world. The horror film is, at its best, as thoroughly and richly involved with the dark truths of sin and death as any art form has ever been, but its approach is that of parable and metaphor, an approach which enables it to achieve a metaphysical grandeur, but which also may explain why its failures are so very awful and indefensible. Hmm. So we've hit on this a little bit. Um, the, The parables and the metaphors are about our deepest fears, our you know, our own mortality, the unknown, the unseen, the loss of innocence. But since it's so hard to look these things in the face, we we put something that authors like to call an allegorical cushion over it, mm. which allows us to think about things from a distanced perspective. It, it cushions the blow of our mortality or the unknown, the unseen, the paranormal, um, it's the mask in Scooby-Doo almost, right? Yeah, it's the mask. And when you pull it off, you're like, oh, this movie was just about xenophobia. Old Man Jenkins. Or <laughs> <laughs> Old Man Jenkins, xenophobia. They're Being the racist. same. No, They're the same. I just had a flashback to a short film I once made. Yeah. Have I told you that story before? Xenophobia? Yeah. yeah Scooby-Doo? No, I, I made a short film in high school about aliens. It was supposed to be aliens attacking and uh, yeah, yeah. aliens uh, coming down and like haunting these two boys basically they they invade the house and it's the fear of these aliens being there so we aptly wanted to name it the fear of aliens okay uh so you google the fear of aliens we go with the first first search result is xenophobia so we're like oh great name the movie's gonna be xenophobia that's awesome it's like the xenomorphs yeah from uh from alien but xeno is also the word xenophobia means a fear of uh of illegal immigrants it can um, be. So we acci- sure can be. <laughs> we accidentally made an allegorical film on immigration, which well we did not mean to make in high school. Let's and see. and this is my public apology for that. <laughs> Don't apologize. You're very. Nope. You're showing you're very woke. I am woke now, but yeah. then I was just going for an A. I just wanted to get an A in the class. What'd you get the, on that film? Uh, you know, nobody corrected us, so okay, sure. so we did pretty well. But later in life, I was like. Whoops, because the aliens were just black morph suits. So, uh, <laughs> and there was two white boys. Yeah, you're towing that line of like. <laughs> no, it definitely it definitely reads like an allegorical film, yeah. unfortunately, okay. which is not the intent. So you can quote me on that. Yeah. Well, well done anyway. I mean, I gotta say. Yeah. Thank you. Great job. You can probably but find it on YouTube. Circling back <laughs> to your question, which is why we watch horror films yes. i think it it centers on this idea that an author named rick warland created which is the allegorical cushion that allows us to this these are his words allows us to compl- contemplate both intellectually and emotionally the implications of a variety of threatening painful and finally individually and socially important conflicts so 
Can we get movies. all that in layman's terms? Yes. Because <laughs> so confused. That's what I, was do. I figured. Okay. I mean, I get it, but then again, <laughs> I, I watch a lot of Rick and Morty, so you know. <laughs> big IQ, big brain time. Basically, what I've been trying to say for the last hour and 15 minutes is that horror movies are our way of feeling some sense of control over grappling with the concepts of our own mortality or things that we don't understand or the paranormal, which who knows if it's real or not. That's for you to decide. Lots of people believe so. Um <laughs> Or, you know, there's these veiled metaphors for xenophobia or racism or, like, talking about split, it's this fear of people who are mentally or physically disabled, people who don't behave in the ways that we expect them to. Um, And a lot of disabilities, especially mental disabilities, have been villainized in the horror movie genre And I'm hoping that in the coming years we can move away from that because people with mental disabilities are not to be feared. Obviously, people who, you know, are locked up for murdering and things of that nature are to be feared, but they are not the same as your neighbor who has dementia and, you know, wanders out into the front lawn accidentally holding his kitchen knife those people are to be helped and uplifted and that is my soapbox moment and i promise (laughs) i'm done now but there's all needed to be said i think yeah yeah that's that's my biggest problem with my favorite genre is the villainization of people who don't need villainization who have already been marginalized by the society that they live in um, you can even take that one step further with like, you know, the whole um, kind of racial profiling type thing. Yeah. I don't want to get into it here, but <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, they're, they should be villainized. You know, th- these people over here, they aren't good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, why? Right. I, I don't know. They're just. <laughs> <laughs> they look different. Yeah. That's it. And there, there's a joke <laughs> almost in the horror community that if there's a black character they're going to die before any other white character survives. That's stupid. Um, so the last person doesn't get to be, uh, you know, a minority or um, a disabled person, something along those lines. But there have been movies in the past 20, 30 years where the last person is a person of color, like in Us. Um, Jordan Peele does it. and Get out. Yeah, I think that moving forward is a great way of reclaiming a genre that at times has been pretty problematic. Hmm. So if you are listening to this podcast and you happen to be a film creator, maybe just uh, keep that in mind next time you go to write a story. Why, why is your villain scary? Why do people fear them? And if the answer is that, you know, they have a mental illness. Stop it. Get maybe, some help. Maybe rethink it. Maybe I'm trying to get help. <laughs> go a different way, you know? Hey, writers out there, if you're going to write a horror story and you're going to be a dick about it, we're going to call you out. <laughs> if you're going to be racist and a dick, don't if you're going to be that. If you're going to be racist and you're going to bully people with mental illness, 
Guess what? Don't. <laughs> That's there why. were so, so, so many movies that I mentioned that do a fantastic job of giving you these allegories and challenging you and scaring you without villainizing people who don't need it. Hmm. So that is Listen, why horror is so cool. I would argue that absolutely no one needs to be villainized. Um, at least not no one in real life needs to be villainized. Well, I mean, there's even coming down to like, like even like Wiccans, like they're doing their own thing, but like I'm sure that when they see things like the Blair Witch Project, they're like, or the witch, or the witch, they're like, what the hell? What's a Wiccan again? Are those the people that worship? They're trees they're and people stuff? who like, yeah, they like believe in witchcraft and like casting spells and things like that. That's oh, their cool. religion. That's their view, and they're doing it peacefully. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Um, Absolutely, and that's this is America, thing. damn it. Right. <laughs> I say the only time that a that maybe not even the only time, but if you're gonna make a good horror film chances are it's going to line up with an idea that you are fighting against and that's when you know that you're doing it for the right reason mm. so like jordan peele's reasons are often the right reasons and i would say even just like helping deal with those confusing moments in human life that are just like so out there and weird and mm-hmm. hard to explain and that happens a lot in like for example um the movie that you you just recently uh, mentioned, which was uh, Midsummer, mm-hmm. in Midsummer, it's dealing with grief and death and all of the confusing things that come with that, as well as human relationships and things like that, mm-hmm. um, and a culture that you don't understand. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, those are good reasons mm-hmm. to make horror films, but I would say even like your classic horror films, like, um, well, one. One example of a good person who probably needs villainized was uh, was Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger was a pedophile. Hmm. And when he was alive, he was a pedophile, so they burned down his house. And that's why he's like covered in scars and all that. Good reason. Um, Michael Myers, on the other hand, was a mentally disabled man who lived with his mother. And escapes a mental institution. Hmm. Yeah. So even in like classic horror films... I mean, we didn't even talk about Chucky, but Chucky is is criminals like there are people i guess who can be villainized and yeah. it's okay probably should I mean, serial killers murderers murderers yeah. pedophiles things like that right people who those do bad are things. the people who people who do bad things and, and that's the karma of putting of it. It. <laughs> but even but just like as i'm saying like michael myers that's one of the ones that like you don't think about it but yeah that mm-hmm. that's that's based around mental illness yeah um <laughs> and that's the kind of thing that maybe moving forward we avoid hopefully so any writers out there, if you're writing and you're you're writing and you realize, hey, my my guy's only scary because he has mental illness, um, f- you. <laughs> Simply enough. When we come back uh, from this brief little promotion, that we now have a promotion, we're, we're promoting something finally. Yeah, we're doing. Which it. is pretty awesome. Um, when we get back from this uh, brief intermission slash promotion, uh, Sam rejoins us from last week, and she's got uh, some spooky tales to tell us. Ooh. Spooky tales. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait to hear it. Uh, we'll be right back. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first ever promotional segment of Entertain This. This week, I feel like we brought you guys something very special to promote. These artists reached out to us and asked us to play you guys their brand new single. This is actually one of their first singles, and this artist holds a very special place in not only my heart, but the heart of this podcast. Um, because he was once known as Little Ice, who was actually a guest on our podcast a little bit ago, and uh, works 
pretty close with DJW, who is one of the music producers on our show. So without further ado, this is their very first single, Spain, by Trey Louis and the artist formerly known as Little Ice, J-Roy. Enjoy! I've just been rolling around, roll rise inside of my town. Everyone's been trying to keep me down, but no one can make me frown. Private play, no lay over. No, I'm not gonna stay over. You already know we gonna take over. I'm gonna go to Mars in a Range Rover. I don't get hot, I stay sober. It's not done till I say it's over. And I'm straight, and I gotta keep focused. Cause I know one day I'ma get noticed. And every song that I drop, Billboard's gonna have to save a spot. And even if I got bow mains on my feet, I'ma be the same. Cause I'ma roll down to Spain. I'm finna take my man. She just wanna get in my brain. Rolls Royce, see I'm gonna get better the skies in Spain. I'ma take a trip down to Spain. I'ma take a trip down to Spain. She just wanna get in my brain. She just wanna get in my brain. I can't stop copping all the ice. Cuban link chain got me looking pretty nice. Ayy, and I got the brand new Benz. Can't get to that girl, she's always hanging with the friends. Riding in the sick whip, but I don't mess with no lift kit. At the concert, you know I'm thrashing in the mosh pit. Young DDLs B got me feeling pretty lit. Ayy, on a flight to the Bahamas tonight. Purple visions everywhere, we alright. Sipping on the lean jug, did no for an answer And me and DDL running vicious like Prancer All the stars shine like the diamonds on my wrist Try to shoot your shot, but you already have missed Trying to make the bands, I don't cross it on my list In this track fire, no one even can resist, yeah I'ma roll down to Spain I'm finna take my man She just wanna get in my brain Rolls Royce, see don't get better than skies in Spain I'ma take a trip down to Spain I'ma take a trip down to Spain She just wanna get in my brain she just wanna get in my brain I'ma roll down to Spain I'm finna take my man She just wanna get in my brain Rolls Royce, I'm drunk and better than skies in Spain I'ma take a trip down to Spain I'ma take a trip down to Spain She just wanna get in my brain She just wanna get in my brain Once again, that was Spain by Trey Louis featuring J-Roy. If you guys enjoyed that song, you can currently stream it on Spotify. The link will be in our show notes. Thank you. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Quick This, the end segment of Entertain This. It's spooky because Halloween. Are you going to laugh at me? 
<laughs> you can if you need to. Oh, no, you. It was a sneeze. Oh, that's even scarier. <laughs> she could have scared everybody who was listening. Give yeah. a little yeah. adrenaline rush. As you can hear, uh, Sam has returned. She's back from the grave. Not really. Yes. Yeah. I was resurrected. Correct. Uh, Praise be. <laughs> to do a quick this. She was All our. <laughs> she was our guest last week. She's back now to uh, to entertain us. Mm-hmm. Entertain this. Yes. That's our podcast. Uh, so it's all yours. You got you got five minutes to talk about anything entertainment. All right. Well, Ready? yep. Go. Okay. So, you know, it's spooky season, which in my opinion is the best season of the year. Correct. Because, you know, Halloween's the best holiday. Your eyes are lit up. Objectively <laughs> <Yeah>, true. <laughs> it's the well. best. I mean, it's the time for, you know, movies like Hocus Pocus on repeat and stuff like that. Um, but I thought we could share some uh, real world horror that 110% is totally true that happened to me. Oh, and- <laughs> we're continuing the tradition of scary stories. Um, so it was my graduation party night. And it was just a stupid party with, you know, family and friends, nothing. I don't run a party or don't drink. So it was, you know, vanilla. And so a handful of my friends stayed and hung out after it was all over. And one of our favorite things to always do is to go on drives. Just go get lost for a couple hours and we're ready to come home. We stick on the GPS to go home. and As people in our parts of the country often do. We do. especially <laughs> it's a very Midwestern ex- thing. Especially yeah. when I was the first of all my friends to get a car and a license. So it kind of just turned oh, yeah. into a staple thing of me driving us around and getting lost. Exactly. It's um, this particular day, we decided not to get lost in the backwoods of Kentucky, but decided to get lost um, up around Milford, which you don't think anything bad would ever happen around there. <laughs> and generally, I know my way around all of Milford. Well, <laughs> I was driving up there and we were on some back roads and my car was filled. I think it sat five people. So I had four of the friends in the car with me and we're listening to loud songs, you know, as you do. And I swore I heard something when I was driving and it wasn't them. And so I, you know, abruptly told everybody to shut the hell up and I turned off the radio <laughs> and rolled down the windows because I was like, do you hear that? And it sounded like a whole group of people, like if there was a party or like a sporting event, shouting really loud. But it was like, it's... <laughs> but the thing is too early for that. <laughs> but the worst part of it was there wasn't like music or something to go along with it because it sounded like people like hooting and hollering about something, but there wasn't music. So I was like, well, it's not like people like partying the songs or whatever. And it was really weird. And I was like, what is that? And so the road we were on had um, a sharp left turn. Like you couldn't go anywhere else. You just had to follow the left turn. And the noise was getting louder. And me being the curious person I am, I slow down. <laughs> and we're looking around. And on the right side of the car is all trees. And on the left side of the, ha- of the car are all like, like three or four like plantation style houses. And between two of the houses... There was a red light that shined over the whole backyard area Ugh. and just... Not traffic light. No. Like I like someone had a red porch light or something, but it was bright. Like it, was, it, it lit up the whole backyard and there was just like dozens of people in this backyard just standing there. But they were shouting and cheering. So you'd imagine like jumping hands flailing or whatever, but they were just <laughs> standing there screaming in this red light and we, we stopped my car dead. Because I was like, hell no. Well, listen. <laughs> hell no. No, nah, I want to stop. I was, I, was, I was just kind of one of those like, things where I was like in shock. And I was like, wait, what? And I look over and I'm like, and shit you not, they look like a bunch of skinheads. Because I don't think I saw hair on any of them. Oh, my God. And, um, and I was just looking at it. And I didn't realize because this was a street with no street lights. No, like it was not a busy street. So all it took you have me- is the red porch light. 
Right. That's nope. So right. it took nope, me nope, a second nope. to realize that it was <laughs> nope. one of those houses with the big front yard and the long driveway that was like gravel leading up to it with like the two like stone half pillars enter the driveway. Kind of looks a little fancy. Yeah. Um, didn't realize while I was stopping there to look that there was a dude standing right at one of those columns. Fuck. And he starts walking towards my car. Nope. <laughs> and I just like. Nope. <laughs> I tried to Vin Diesel and I like got the hell out of there. Peace, bitch. And we drove like five minutes maybe and got to a Walmart and stopped and sat there in the parking lot like as our hearts were like beating out of our chest we're like what the fuck did we just witness and so like part of me was like i kind of feel like we should go back and see what it is and call the cops because i feel like this is like some really hinky stuff like i don't think this is normal this is cult type stuff this is bad so after like a minute or two like we weren't gone 10 minutes we decided to get in the car and drive back not a freaking soul Dog. no red light no people in the backyard no one in the yard no one walking away from the house it's like nothing happened so either you had a joint hallucination or they saw that you had seen them and they were like everybody scramble right <laughs> or <laughs> like it's like john lee scatter <laughs> or you witnessed a cockfighting ring it could have been that but why wouldn't nobody they, can have hair but why wouldn't they, yeah. they have been like i don't know i just imagine hey when we're fighting people, chickens I just imagine when you hear people shouting, though, like, they're, like, animated. You know what I mean? So, like, their arms are going. Oh, yeah. That's the jumping, part that that's the And part that, that was the weird part theory. that was that was what threw me off. Like, yeah. before that, I would have thought it was a party or something, and I just yeah. didn't hear the music. But it's the fact that they were all standing freaking still. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I 100 it's totally 100% true. I could call up my best friend right now and be like, do you remember that time we saw a cult? And she's like, yep. That's <laughs> <laughs> a cult. That's, That's right. a cult. I witnessed oh the cult. Oh, my gosh. In well, Milford, thank you. Ohio. In Milford, Ohio. Damn. Yeah, I'm not going to Yeah, because the, Milf- the Walmart <laughs> we ended up uh, was the, the one Dent at Milford Parkway. Is. It's the places you no, least suspect. Is it not? What it's, is in Milford? It, it, Dent Schoolhouse is in um, uh, Dent. Oh. Ohio. <laughs> no, wait, what's in Milford? Um uh, Milford. I don't know. Is that one, oh, people? it's that one radio commercial. Where they're like we ended up like the Walmart we ended up was at the Milford listen. Parkway one, which is off of two seventy five right uh north of Batavia. So we ended up at that um Walmart, which is all really close to where my dad lives yeah. too, mm-hmm. so I kind of know that area. So when I got that Walmart, I was like, "Oh shit, this is really close to my dad's." I hate that. And I mean, there's totally also been rumors of KKK around that area too, but that they <laughs> right. weren't—they didn't have cone heads here. They were right. slicked back. And but is that like a requirement for all KKK meetings? Is the I don't know. I'm not a KKK. It sounds more cult for sure. Yeah. I mean, skinheads are totally a thing around this area too. Unfortunately, yeah. It's basically just. You I know. hate this part of this conversation. I don't want. Yeah, to. I mean, skinheads, <laughs> KKK are all this. just you know the white supremacists, freaky people who. Yeah. Nothing it. scarier than white people filled with hatred. Oh my yeah. god! And that's the white... Halloween spirit. Oh god, they're terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for coming sure, back on. No problem. Thank you for we entertaining us story. with the spooky yes, story spooky for, our, great. for our first episode of the Halloween Haunt Month. <laughs> spooky. Spooky. Oh, nice. That was very good. See you guys next week when. I think it's me. I'm taking control of the 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 podcast. So oh, don't no, you do that already? Th- this week will be your week, right? Don't yeah. you ever call it a podcast again? My bad. A pootie pack? No, sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> we're gonna get sued. See you guys then. Bye. Bye. Do the laugh again. This episode of Entertain This was written by Chloe Price, with additional commentary from Nick Mustakangas and Alex Steele. Our theme music is Rushable by Aaron Spencer, with additional music by DJW. Tune in every Friday for new episodes, and thanks for listening. <laughs>